This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. Mortgage commercials are rarely exciting. So to make it slightly more interesting, here are my nieces to do it for me. So interest rates continue to drop like my sister's baby teeth. Come on, Uncle Ryan had to say the same thing last year. That's true. Last year, it was rates are boring talk historically low. And now this year, there's somehow even more boring talk historically lower than the previous boring talk historically low. Sounds boring. But for so many listeners who just haven't wanted to deal with it, refinancing right now could save you massive amounts of Lego sets. Rates have gotten that low. Some borrowers could potentially save hundreds monthly and tens and tens of thousands over the life of a loan. And if you didn't put 20% down before, some could even stop having to pay PMI. Give Uncle Ryan a shot. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Did you know the NFL has an obscure rule that bans players from owning pet ducks? That's right. Apparently, that's considered a personal foul. (laughs) I'm Rob West, and while it's fun to make jokes about rules, there's a very serious and little-known rule about your 401k. Uh, That could be a real blessing in a financial crisis. Uh, I'll explain it for you, then take your calls. 800-525-7000. The number is 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live, where God's Word shines a light on your financial path. Well, Steve Moore has the day off today. As we talk about this topic, this is one that is appropriate for so many because we all have 401ks, or at least many do. And, you know, these plans are filled with rules that most people aren't fond of. But the one we're talking about today is an exception. It's the so-called Rule of 55. Uh, Normally, you're not allowed to withdraw money from your 401k without incurring a 10% penalty. That is until you reach age 59 and a half. But uh, the Rule of 55 is a special IRS provision that waives the penalty once you reach 55 or older. Uh, By the way, the Rule of 55 also applies to 403B retirement accounts. That's the equivalent plan for nonprofit organizations. Now, how does it work? Well, it only applies in a few specific conditions. For example, if you're 55 or older and leave your job, you can withdraw funds without the penalty, but you can't take advantage of this rule if you're still working at the company where you have the 401k or 403b. And uh, you have to leave that job in the calendar year you turn 55 or later to get that penalty-free distribution. But If you're in a a public safety sector as a worker, like, say, a police officer, a firefighter, an air traffic controller, the rule actually kicks in at age 50. If you leave or lose your job before the eligible age, you miss out on the rule entirely. Uh, You won't be able to take a penalty-free withdrawal until you reach the usual age of 59 and a half. And as with all exceptions to the 10% penalty, uh, the rule of 55 still has tax implications. It doesn't get you out of paying taxes on your withdrawals, which are considered income on your federal return and 
probably your state return if your state has an income tax. Now, I know all of this can be very confusing, so maybe it would be easier to talk about when the rule doesn't apply. Uh, For starters, it doesn't apply to retirement plans from a previous employer. It has to be the 401k at your current or latest job to be eligible. Also, it doesn't apply to individuals, uh, excuse me, individual retirement accounts, either traditional or Roth IRA. Uh, For those, you'd still have to be 59 and a half before making the penalty-free withdrawals. However, there is a way around the provision, as there often is, that excludes previous 401k and 403b accounts. Uh, You can roll those funds over from a previous account to your current one if your employer accepts rollovers. Now, not all do, so check with your HR department to find out. Uh, Then, once you've completed the rollover, all of the money in your account, including that transferred amount, will now be available if you make an early withdrawal under the rule of 55. Uh, But of course, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. In almost all cases, tapping into your 401k is not advisable because you're essentially robbing your future and giving up not just the money, but the time you have invested in building up those funds. Uh, You may be able to replace the funds eventually, but you can never get back the time, which is critical for the long term, compounding gains in your portfolio. We talk about it often. Uh, You're essentially starting over, but with less time before retirement. So uh, you want to avoid the early withdrawals, if at all possible, even if you can do it without the 10% penalty under the rule of 55. So the question you might be asking then is, well, when would it be okay to take that early withdrawal from a 401k? And I would say only if you simply have no other choice. Uh, Remember, you can only use the rule of 55 if you're no longer with the employer where you had the account. In most cases, that probably means you've lost your job or a significant part of your income due to your hours being cut. Uh, But even then, you should delay as long as possible before making an early withdrawal from your 401k. Um, I would suggest you use our Mayday budget, which simply uh, simply helps you prioritize your spending. Make sure you have that adequate emergency fund before that financial calamity hits. That's three to six months expenses. And exhaust all of that before taking the withdrawal from the 401k or a 403b. So this may be a blessing, but only in a true hardship. All right, we're going to take your calls next. 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Wise Live. I'm Rob West. Steve Moore has the day off today. This is the financial program where we begin with God's Word. We dive deep into the 2,350 verses, maybe not all of them in one day, uh, but dive deep into those verses to unpack God's timeless truths that transcend economies and tax codes and uh, deal practically with what you're facing today. And that's, in fact, what we want to do, taking your questions at 800-525-7000. We do have a few lines open. We'll tackle whatever's on your mind and your heart today. Is it your giving? Is it a priority that you're wrestling with between paying down debt and increasing or starting to give? Is it Uh, thinking about the long term and how you should be investing. Uh, Perhaps uh, you have a question about credit or credit scores. Whatever's on your mind and your heart, we'll do our best to tackle it today. Again, that number, 800-525-7000. We'll begin today in Kingston, Georgia. Homer, you're the first on Money Wise Live. Go ahead, sir. Yes, I'm calling 
wondering if there is a penalty for not drawing out of before 1K before you reach 70? Uh, no, no, no. As long as you don't uh, pass, used to be 70 and a half. Now, depending upon your current age, it may be as late as 72. But at that point where you have to start taking a required minimum distribution, either 70 and a half or 72, um, you, you would have to, uh, and there would be a penalty for the full amount of your RMD. Um, and, you know, in addition to the income taxes when the distribution uh, is finally made. But prior to that point, Homer, to your question, uh, there is no penalty if you leave that money right there. In fact, that's advisable, and in fact, it's what most people do. Uh, At least if you get to a place in retirement where expenses are such, hopefully you're out of debt, you're no longer saving for the future, uh, or at least not as much, the kids are off the payroll, your lifestyle's lower, and perhaps you have other income sources that will sustain you and you have the ability to let that 401k or perhaps a a rollover into an IRA, let that continue to grow. You can absolutely do that. There wouldn't be any penalty. You just have to make sure that when you reach that age where you need to take that required minimum distribution, that you take that money out based on the schedule that the IRS provides. Uh, But it's a great question. I appreciate you checking in with us today, sir. Uh, Let's continue along. We'll go to Strongsville, Ohio. Paula, you're next on MoneyWise Live. Go ahead. Um, hi, I'm just calling in regards to I have $25,000 um, in savings. Um, my husband's 67. I'm, I'm 57. I'm still working. He's retired. Um, we don't have any bills but our house payment and our car payment. I have no credit cards. I don't use credit cards for anything. If we can't afford it, we don't. We have them, but we don't use it only for emergency. Um, I was just wondering, because I'm working about five, six more years, and I'll get half of his pension but when I retire. But I'm trying to figure out where the money's just sitting in the bank. I mean, that's all we have is the um, $25,000. But I was wondering, they offer a 401K at my work, and I'm able to put money in, but would it be worth me putting... The 25 in plus they are going to match me. Um, yes. Would it be worth it for five or eight years or however I, I long think it I've would, Paul. And now, specifically with that 25000 you're not able to make a contribution to that 401k. That has to be a salary deferral. So essentially what you would do is you'd go to your employer and say, I want to start taking whatever percentage of your monthly or, or, or uh, whatever frequency you get paid a percentage of your paycheck to defer it as a, a part of your salary into that 401k. So as it's paid to you, it would you'd not receive it. It would automatically uh, be made uh, a contribution to the 401k. And then up to the matching portion, let's say they'll match 3%, and you're going to put in 5%, that first 3%, uh, if they're matching on a dollar-for-dollar basis, would also be credited to that 401k. Now, if your budget was such that you just didn't have the margin to be able to do that, I would say two things. One is you certainly could uh, reduce uh, you know, start drawing from that 25000 to supplement. But the even better thing would be to say, I'm going to go back to my spending plan and I'm going to figure out what do I need to do to realign my spending, cut expenses, cancel subscriptions, make some changes so that I can, uh, you know, fully fund that, uh, you know, matching portion. But I would say I would set a goal if you feel like you're behind in terms of what you've saved for the future, I would set a goal to try to get a 
as close to 15% of that paycheck going in and do that for as long as you plan to continue to work so that you do have the ability to build up something that could be there to supplement other income sources or be available for, you know, unexpected expenses in that season of life, namely, you know, long-term care at some point. Um, you know, with regard to that 25000 though, Paula, you know, we advocate for a, an emergency fund of at least three to six months expenses. So you would essentially say, okay, what are my household expenses in a 30-day period? Uh, let's say that's $3,000. Then your goal would be to have, you know, 9000 liquid in probably an online savings account earning some interest, but not invested. Um, you know, it's available and ready if you need it for something that's truly unexpected. And you need to make sure that your you know, budget accounts for that. Um, you know, if you uh, wanted to have six months, you'd take 18 of that 25000 And of course, that's using a hypothetical 3000 a month. Your budget, I'm sure, is, is not exactly that. So uh, tell me your thoughts, though, on what I've just shared with you. Um, actually, I've been listening to your show. I love it so much. Um, Thanks. Like I said, we started later in life because we had four kids and we had a lot of bad situations. Um, but I'm able to save $600 a month. I've been banking um, money for the last four months. So I've been saving 600 It cost us like 3000 a month to live. And with my husband's you know, retirement, we're fine. It's just I never had this. I, it doesn't seem like a lot, but to me, it's like a fortune. I've never had been able to bank even a hundred dollars a month, and we're banking like six hundred. Yeah, so that's great. I I know the three months. Uh, you know, I heard you say that plenty of times about the three months. I got that, but the other amount, I, I just wonder because I just quit one job to go to another job because it pays more. So I was yeah. thinking, should I roll that over? I could take yeah. that out and roll it over into my new four hundred one k. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea. You'd either want to roll it into the new 401k that you're going to start contributing to every month as much as 15% or whatever you can get to, which I realize will probably eat into that surplus that you have right now of 600 a month. And then, um, you know, in addition to that, if you want to take a portion of that 25000 because you don't feel like you need all of it, you could go ahead and, and invest that. Uh, you know, by putting that money to work in a good, uh, broad mutual fund. You could visit with our friends at soundmindinvesting.org for some help on a, a good, high-quality, balanced mutual fund with growth and income in it, given your age and time horizon. But I would prioritize, uh, you know, getting money into that 401k, which is going to grow on a tax-deferred basis, Paula, over you continuing to judge, just put that into a taxable account, even if it's invested, because it's not going to work as effectively for you because the taxes will be a drag on the performance over time. And we appreciate your call today. Hopefully that's helpful to you. Uh, we do have some lines open as we head into this first break. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. 800-525-7000. Whatever's on your mind and your heart today, we'd love to tackle it. We'll certainly do it to the best of our ability with a biblical view in mind. Hey, have you checked out the new MoneyWise app? If you haven't, it's ready and available in your app store today. Just search for MoneyWise Biblical Finance and you can download it today. We'll be right back with much more after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West. Steve Moore has the day off today. This is where God's Word intersects with today's financial decisions. We have a few lines open, 
7,000. Have you ever thought about the fact that your money, the way you allocate God's money, tells a story about what's most important to you? Here's the question we all need to ask ourselves, myself included. What story is how we're using God's money saying or telling about us and what's most important to us? And does it accurately reflect what's really on our hearts? Well, if not, maybe we need to make some changes. Maybe we need to think about how we're allocating God's money. So it's a proper reflection of where God is taking us, the vision he's given us for our lives and our service to him. Well, that's one of the things we explore on this program, and uh, we're so grateful for your calls each day as you ask questions, because we know your heart's desire is to be found faithful in serving the Lord with his resources. Hey, let's go right back to the phones. Next up, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Monica, you're on Money Wise Live. Go ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. My question is centered around retirement, saving for retirement. Um, I was wondering what your thoughts were on a index universal life program or policy versus a 403B as far as saving. Okay, yeah. Uh, So you are still working, is that right? That's correct. And how long do you plan to continue to work? Until retirement, at least 65, 67. Okay, between 15 and 17 years. And you have a 403 403B available at work. Are you contributing to it currently? Yes, I am. Okay, what percent of your pay is going in there, Monica? Do you know? Uh, 5%, I believe. Okay, and are they doing any matching on that? They are. They're matching um, like 50 cents to a dollar. Okay, and how has that been uh, doing in terms of the performance over the years? Uh, It's been doing okay. Okay. I basically am kind of starting over because I lost a job some years ago and I had to cash in my 401k, so I feel like I'm Mm. behind as far as my retirement goes. I see. Uh, Is this your only retirement account, given that you had to pull out from the previous one? It is. Okay, and what have you built up in there so far? Uh, about close to 10,000 because it's okay. fair, it's a fairly new job. So I've only yeah. been there a little less than three years. Okay. Very good. And do you have some margin, Monica, such that you could increase that? I know you're asking about uh, universal life insurance policies and we'll get to that, but regardless of which you chose, do you have the ability to put some more away? I do. Uh, since the pandemic, I've paid off three credit cards. So I'm looking great. at taking that money and putting it toward my 403B. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I like uh, you continuing to add money to the 403B. I might get some help in looking at the various investment options inside the plan just to see if you're properly positioned. You have a good diversified approach uh, to the portfolio that is uh, appropriate given your age and risk tolerance. And you could get some one-time counsel from a financial professional, perhaps a certified kingdom advisor there in Chattanooga who could look over the various investment options and uh, just weigh in on whether you should make some changes to the uh, uh, investments that you've selected at this point. Um, I like the idea of you pushing that up uh, even as much as 15% uh, or to the limit uh, each year to the ability you can just because you are a little behind. In terms of an indexed uh, universal life insurance policy, I'm not a huge fan. I'll say they have their place, but basically it allows you to allocate uh, cash value amounts uh, to either a fixed account with a guaranteed 
kind of return or what's called an equity index account, which is something that's going to mirror one of the stock indexes typically like the NASDAQ 100 or the S&P 500. The reason I'm not a huge fan is it mixes insurance with investing, which I just don't think is the best way to go for most people. And it can be very expensive compared to just a term policy with the proper coverage you need for a set period of time um, and using other investment vehicles like your 403B. So if it were up to me, I'd just try to get you to put as much as you can into that 403B up to the limit. Um, Make sure you're still covering your other priorities, namely giving, and make sure you have a healthy emergency fund and you're systematically reducing debt. But yeah, putting as much as you can away through that 403B, I think, is the way to go. And we appreciate you listening and calling today. Let's go out to Dallas, Texas. Linda, you're next. Go right ahead. Yes, I was curious about the 401k. I I listen to your program every day and I hear you talk about um, 401k. And my husband and I cashed ours out a while back and we bought property and, and, and started a business. So we don't have a 401k. So I didn't know, you know, I kind of feel, you know, kind of embarrassed or whatever, because it seems like it's a real important thing hearing you guys talk. I mean, we do the other things you do, like we've, we're reducing debt. We don't have a car payment. Um, you know, we, we don't keep a credit card balance. And yes. the other thing, so I just wondered if we should put money back in a 401k. And also, is it secure against you know, because like how the things are going right now in the world, I mean, I'm just I'm just a kind of afraid. So I just wanted to ask you that. Sure. Um, is your biggest concern regarding the 401k the stability of the stock market or something else? I don't know. I'm. I just. I. I just. I don't know if I should. I don't trust it. I don't know a lot about it. I haven't invested that much, but I mean, yeah. in in um, yeah. But I just hear you guys talking about it all the time, and I'm just. I'm just kind of wondering, well, should we have one? Sure. Well, the reason we talk about it a lot is I think we should be saving something for the long term. And the stock and bond market with a properly diversified portfolio has proven to be the most effective place over the long haul. If we look back over the last hundred years, yeah, investments in real property, there's nothing wrong with that. It's done well. And, you know, you could invest in precious metals. But, you know, in terms of the stability and the long-term performance, a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio has performed the best. And it's passive, which means you can just let it go and let it grow, you know, whether or not you have professional management looking over your shoulder. It's just the most effective way for people to build wealth over a long period of time. And a 401k is just really accessible because it's part of a salary deferral and there's often matching. So I like the option of the 401k. Uh, In terms of the risk of the stock market, you know, we go through cycles and, you know, they're all different but the market does always recover. Uh, Let's do this. I'll tackle a few more of your uh, specific concerns right after the break. We're going to pause for a brief break. This is Money Wise Live. I'm Rob West. Steve Moore off today, back with your questions. We have some lines open. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. Call right now, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Wise Live. I'm Rob West. Steve Moore has the day off today. Hey, do you have a story about how God's been working in your life in this area of your finances? Perhaps you've been listening to Money Wise Live. Maybe you just found us or you've been listening for years. And uh, God's been at work and you've been able to pay off some debt or you've started giving and you're seeing God 
honor that, or you've really started to process the implications of God owns it all, and that's changed everything about how you've uh, conducted your financial life. If so, we want to hear about it. We've set up a special email address for you to tell us your stories, and in the coming weeks, we're going to have a new feature on the program where we actually allow you to hear from some of our faithful listeners who have been on this journey who have a story to tell. So here it is. The email address is mystory@moneywise.org. My story at moneywise.org. If you have a story to tell, send us an email and uh, we'll be in touch with you to see if we can capture that. Hey, let's go right back to the phones. We do have a couple of lines open, 800-525-7000, off to Cleveland, Ohio. Maureen, what's on your mind today? Hi, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I am in the process of um, getting guardianship of my mom, and she is receiving... um, the pension of my dad before he passed, and that's all the income that she has right now. Right now, she's incompetent, when she was, you know, the doctor's ruled her incompetent. And I was just wondering, do I need to file taxes on that pension? Hmm. Yeah. Because she uh, hasn't filed you know, taxes in three years. I see. Yeah. You know, it's never a bad idea, Maureen, to check with a tax preparer uh, just to you know, look at your specific situation, or in this case, hers, uh, to have a professional weigh in. And you could find a certified kingdom advisor in the tax and accounting area there in Cleveland by going to our website, moneywiselive.org. But I'll just tell you, generally speaking, uh, single filers typically uh, don't need to file a tax return if their gross income doesn't exceed the standard deduction, which is 12400 uh, the threshold happens to increase over age 65 to uh, 14,050. Um, so if, you know, in addition to the pension, she receives Social Security and, you know, that together then puts her income above uh, those amounts, uh, you know, that higher threshold of 14050 then, you know, she would need to file a return and uh, a tax professional could easily go back, file all three years worth of returns for her just to get her current on her compliance um, you know, with the IRS. So I don't think it would hurt to check on that, but hopefully that at least gives you uh, some guidelines to know uh, based on what income she has, whether or not she would fall above or below that. And we appreciate your call today very much. Up to the Chicagoland area, Margie, you're up next. Go ahead. Hi, Margie. Are you with us? All right. Oh, yes. Oh. Thank you very it's, much. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, take your time. We're right here, and you go right ahead. All right. Um, I am looking at a property tonight um, that is for $114,900. Um, I am prepared to pay 134000 for it. Um, I don't like, I mean, we're in a housing bubble, so... I've read that uh, housing prices can be up uh, by 10% than the actual cost. Is it better to buy, pay more for a property than what it's worth, or better to wait for the bubble to break? Um, I'm currently yeah. renting, and uh, rent is uh, just over 1000 a month, and a uh, really good place, but I'd rather not continue to rent. So um, sure. basically, um, I can put down 60000 for a down payment. Okay. Um, and then there's also a property I'm looking at this weekend, uh, an actual house where there's no HOA. Um, it'd be a longer commute, but uh, um, yeah. and a lot more space. But just want to get your thoughts. 
Yeah, very good, Margie. And it's a great question to ask. And, you know, this is is somewhat of a no-brainer when you're selling one property and moving into another, because when the market's high, you're getting top dollar on the sale. At the same time, you're paying top dollar on the purchase. It's a little more challenging, and I can understand why you might have a bit of pause as a first-time home buyer because you're not making the money on the sale. And so you're entering this market arguably at very high levels, and clearly the housing market has been on an upswing uh, really, for the last uh, uh, 12 or 13 years since the 2008 uh, housing uh, crisis. Um, with that said, I think there's something to be said about if you're buying the right house, meaning it fits your budget, uh, you've clearly been a diligent saver. You're not trying to rush this. You've got 60000 built up for the down payment. And I think another thing that's working in your favor is we've got incredibly low interest rates right now. And so even if you were to wait and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the housing market or the economy. I mean, at some point, uh, you know, economies roll over and I would expect us to be in a recession at some point in the next uh, few years. Uh, you know, typically they'd last anywhere between 18 months and, you know, three years. Um, but if you're planning to buy and keep this house for a while, and I would say a while would be, let's say, 10 years or more, then, you know, you'd be able to wait that cycle out, uh, number one. Number two, you're not buying it purely as an investment. You're buying it as a place to live. Uh, number three, uh, you're going to enjoy these historically low interest rates, which probably would not be the case, uh, you know, if we were to, you know, see interest rates start to head back up as we start to see a little bit of inflation creep up. And, uh, you know, we, we know that uh, rates will move higher over the next couple of years. Um, so are you planning to buy and stay in this property for quite a, quite a while? I don't have a However, um, I don't, uh, uh, in Illinois, at real estate, so I never know whether or not I will have a job for long. So that's always a big issue for me that I, I worry about. Um, but also, uh, the, the one other big thing is retirement. I don't have, uh, I think, 15000 only in retirement. Yeah. So it's like, do I... Yeah. Is this a good investment for me, or should I buy something, I don't want to say in a bad area, but uh, sure. buy something even cheaper so I can put yeah. more toward retirement? Yeah, no, I certainly understand. Let me ask you a question, though, Margie, related to your overall budget. So given you said you're paying about a 1000 right now, and obviously certain things are included in that, have you looked at, you know, if you were to put the 60000 down, have you looked at what the principal interest taxes and insurance payment would be to the best of your knowledge, plus any additional expenses? Have you gotten a good understanding of what the utilities would be plus the HOA? Do you think you're going to be saving money every month? Um, well, and that's okay if you don't know. I, I think that's one other consideration that I would look at. So here's my thoughts. Uh, number one, we've got to keep your lifestyle modest. Number two, we recognize God owns it all. He is your provider, uh, no one else. And you are doing what you need to do, and that is to say, how can I be a careful and wise steward of what God has entrusted to me, making the very best decisions I can? Uh, none of us have a guarantee of future income. We trust the Lord for that, and we uh, do the best of our uh, in our uh, power uh, to find where God is leading, and um, you know He's given you a profession. That's great. 
Um, we've got a, a good housing market right now. It sounds like you're in real estate. So I, I think the idea here is that you need to keep your lifestyle modest. If you're self-employed, I'd encourage you to open a SEP IRA and just start putting some systematic money away to build over time. Get that invested. And if you plan to buy this house, you know, rental prices are high right now. Uh, even though housing prices are high, interest rates are low. You've got a good bit saved up. If you feel like this is the right home for you, then I wouldn't have any problem with you proceeding, even given where we're at in the housing market cycle right now. We appreciate your call. Hey, we're going to pause for a brief break. Much more to come right around the corner. I'm Rob West, and this is Money Wise Live. Stay with us. This is Money Wise Live, where biblical wisdom meets today's financial decisions and choices. We're so glad you're along with us today. I'm Rob West. Steve Moore has the day off today. Hey, let me remind you, Money Wise is listener supported. We do what we do every day to serve you based on your generous support. If you've been listening for a while, perhaps you've benefited from the program or you'd like to help us to uh, serve others as we continue to build out uh, our suite of offerings, including our new app and our new Money Wise community and all the things that we're uh, doing, including a new Helping Hands segment I'm really excited about where listeners Listeners can help other listeners in a desperate financial situation. If you want to invest toward that work, we'd certainly be grateful. Here's how you give quickly and safely. Just head over to our website, moneywiselive.org. Click the Donate button. You can give one time or monthly, and we would certainly be grateful. Let's head right back to the phones. Jim is next up in Carmel, Indiana. Go right ahead, sir. Thanks so much for taking my call, and I am interested in... uh how to proceed with our will. Okay. My wife and I have uh, income from an I, from IRAs and along with Social Security, and we also have uh, rental properties that we own, and uh, we want to distribute funds from our will to uh, charity as well as to family members. And I just wonder if uh, we should just let our will be probated or should we set up some sort of a trust uh, uh, and how would that work? Yeah. Well, it's just uh, really comes down, Jim, to whether you would benefit enough uh, by a trust to justify the cost and added complexity. It's not a, a terrible difference in cost. Uh, you know, a will typically would be maybe $500 to set up for the average person, whereas a trust might run from 1200 to a couple of thousand dollars. Uh, why would you set up a trust? Well, uh, there's a few key reasons. Number one would be to manage and control spending and investments if beneficiaries are uh, prone to poor money management, let's say. So if you wanted to be able to have certain mile markers or milestones for them to reach uh, certain conditions under which uh, money would be distributed to beneficiaries, that would be one reason. To avoid, you mentioned it, probate. Uh, of the trust assets and keep your affairs private because uh, probate is a part of the public record. This would not. Uh, it uh, trust is a way to um, you know protect assets from beneficiaries, creditors. Uh, so you know if you're giving consideration to that, uh, you know with a privately held business, uh, your trust can manage business assets for planned business succession. Doesn't sound like that's a uh, something here. And then you can also provide structured income to a surviving spouse that protects the trust assets uh, for descendants if you know the spouse remarries or something like that. Uh, it can also facilitate charitable giving after your death. Now it's not to 
say that you can't do that through your will. You, your will, you certainly can, uh, but it's another way to do it. And it can go into effect prior to death, whereas a will starts at death, a trust could be uh, uh, you know, put into place uh, if you're incapacitated for any reason, and the trustee would then uh, begin managing according to the trust agreement. Uh, so I think you just need to think and pray through those things, and perhaps, Jim, sitting down with a godly estate planning attorney just to talk through this to see if there's any reason why this would be necessary. If you listen to that list and you say, you know what, we're fine going through probate. We feel like we've got everything handled appropriately. We've got beneficiaries designated on our IRAs and 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 uh, life insurance policies, and you know we don't think it's necessary in our situation. I I would certainly be comfortable with that, but uh, if you felt you know, a little more peace of mind knowing that these other provisions were in play and it would be worth it to you to set up a trust, then I think you certainly could go that way. Um, where I would proceed next, if you don't know an estate attorney, uh, I'd connect with a certified kingdom advisor there in Indiana. You can do that at our website, moneywiselive.org, and then just ask for a referral. All uh, CKAs will have a, a godly estate planning attorney that they can refer you to uh, in the area. Does that make sense, though, Jim? Yes, it does. And I just want to uh, forego any delay uh, that uh, probate might uh, bring into the picture. Yeah, and that would be one reason uh, to use a trust, Jim, because you will bypass the probate process. So it sounds like, you know, given that that's important to you, a trust may be exactly what you're looking for to transfer uh, the the assets uh, of the estate in an efficient manner, and it would also be done privately. So uh, very uh, very well could be that that's the option for you. We appreciate your call today. Uh, let's head south to Lakeland, Florida. Frederick, you're up next on Money Wise Live. Go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. I would like to save for college fund for my my kids. They are four years old. I would like to know what's the best way to do that. Ah, yes. Uh, Frederick, tell me a little bit about your financial situation. Would you be con- uh, contributing a lump sum, or are you going to allocate a certain amount each month to automatically? Uh, monthly, is that right? Yeah, monthly. That is a couple hundred dollars every month. Okay, very good. Uh, yeah, I like the 529 plan. Uh, so, Think about it like a, a bit like a Roth IRA in the sense that you wouldn't get a federal tax deduction for the money going in, uh, but you would be able to invest it inside the plan. Uh, and then um, as it accrues, you'd use the various uh, investments inside the 529 uh, to be able to invest those funds. It would grow on a tax-free basis inside the plan. And then when your child... Uh, that the plan is set up for reaches age where he or she's going to head off to college or even uh, up to a certain amount for uh, private K-12 to education, as long as the money's used for qualified educational expenses, and that that uh, determination is pretty liberal, uh, then you would take that money out tax-free. Uh, if you happen to qualify for financial aid, it would be considered a parental asset, which is factored into the expected family contribution at, at about 5%, which uh, is much better than if it were be, to be an asset of the child in like a custodial account or something like that. Um, so it's a very effective way to save for college, Frederick. And if your child gets a scholarship, uh, you can take the money out on a pro rata basis equal to the scholarship or the grant. And if 
they don't use it all, it could be transferred to another child. So you could set up multiple 529s and then contribute systematically to each of them. Uh, There are uh, 529s in every state, and your state of Florida may or may not be the best option for you. Given that you don't have a state income tax in Florida, uh, you may want to choose a 529 in another state that has better long-term historical performance of its investments. And the best way to determine that would be to go to a website that I really like uh, for this reason. It's called savingforcollege.com, savingforcollege.com. You'll be able to go through a tutorial. It'll ask you a series of questions. And based on the information you provide, they'll actually make a recommendation on the best 529 plan for your children. Uh, Does that all make sense, though? Yes, it does. I don't know if you have time for for another question pertaining to this same subject. Sure, go right ahead. Yeah, I see in in this school there is a program that's called Florida Prepay. Yes. It seems that it's belong to the government, and they say that even if the economy down, so we will not lose the money. Is that a good option as well? You know, I, I like, I'm, a, I'm familiar with the Florida prepaid college plan, and it's a good one. But in terms of comparing it uh, to the 529 plan, I actually uh, prefer the 529 plan just because I believe you have the ability to accrue uh, more money over time. Uh, you know, as you think about investing this money over the life of your children versus just uh, it increasing at the uh, college tuition inflation rate. Uh, you know, I think you're going to do better over time and have more to put toward all of the college expenses, not just tuition, room and board through the 529. So I'd look at both. I wouldn't have a problem with you going either way. But uh, I I would, uh, for me, I would uh, go toward the 529 as the better option. We appreciate your call today. Let's head to Ohio. Gus, you're up next on Money Wise Live, sir. Go right ahead. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I was just listening to your program, and I really enjoy all the information you give to people. But I have one for you here. I'm I'm going to be 85 years old in May. Okay. And uh, I'm I'm I live with my my daughter and son-in-law. Uh, my wife passed away two years ago. Mm. Uh, I have a um, I was left with a considerable amount of money in the bank. Uh, I have um, insurance policies, and I have, um, and I also have an irrevocable trust for my for my. Ch- I have four children. Okay. And I'm just wondering, at this age, is is it feasible for me to invest some? This money is just sitting in the bank doing nothing, and I'm getting yes. nothing out of it. Yes. Uh, what amount to do you, if you if you're comfortable saying Gus, what do you have roughly in in the bank? It's about 50. 50,000. Yes. Okay. And your income is covered through social security uh, alone or other yes. sources? Social security. Okay. And does and that the income the, the income I get from social security is about 21,000. Okay. And that's enough to cover all of your expenses each month? So far. Okay. And do you have a little bit left over? Yes. Okay, great. Well, um, so let's say your expenses are running roughly about 1800 a month. Is is that about right? Uh, less than that. Okay, maybe 1500 About 12. 
Okay. Uh, so if twelve hundred a month, you know, it uh, I'd love for you to have somewhere between six and twelve months expenses in the bank liquid. Six months would be seventy two hundred. Uh twelve months would be, you know, about uh, fifteen thousand. Um, so I would start by saying of this fifty thousand you have available, I'd love for you to keep uh, you know, fifteen thousand of that liquid. And then if you want to invest the rest, I think you could uh, absolutely do that. I'd visit with our friends at soundmindinvesting.org for a, a largely bond portfolio, but with some stocks to give you some growth as well. And we appreciate your call, sir, today very, very much. Folks, thanks for joining us. That's going to do it for us. Thank you to Amy, Clara, Dan, and Jim for their wonderful assistance today. MoneyWise Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and MoneyWise Media. Join us again tomorrow, would you? We'll see you then. God bless you.